Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, I just want to make sure uh, you can hear me now. I've had some problems with my Skype and my, my computer. Um, can you call in to um, 347-838-9201 and let me know if you can hear me, and I'll have to redo the uh, broadcast because I've been sitting here talking, and my son just called me and informed me that uh, nobody can hear me. So I'm hoping you can now. So can you call in? Just to call in to say if you can hear me. Okay, I'm going to try something myself, and then I'll begin the show over. Sorry. Okay, I guess I guess we're working. Okay. Okay, anyhow, to get back to the show, my name's Peggy Amanisi, the author of Rainbows, Butterflies, and One Last Hug. And um, tonight's show is about uh, the feelings that most bereaved parents have, um, what to say and what not to say to us. I'm not alone with this because I've talked to many other bereaved parents, and they have um, they feel the same way I do. So um, I'm sorry, I lost you guys for the first half an hour of the show. We're going to 8 o'clock, so if you want to call in now, just a vent, or you need to call in to listen to me, um, please do so. I have a script ready, which I normally don't, but I want to read it to you. But I'm going to put you on hold one more second and make a phone call and make sure I'm being heard. Okay? Hold on one second, please. Okay. Back to the show. I just spoke to my son, and he can hear me, so I guess the rest of you can, too. 
Well, our call-in number is 347-838-9201. Excuse me one second. Hello? I've been having problems. Um, Hold on a second. Can you hear me now? Uh, Okay, you can hear me online, what what I'm saying right now. Okay. A half an hour, there was something wrong with Skype, so... Okay, but okay. Can you hear? Can you hear me right this second, though? Yeah. Oh no no. Okay, call me. Call into the show the three four seven so I can see if your number comes up. This way I know I'm on. And before I start reading the script, sorry, the, the Skype is totally screwed up here. Okay, bye bye. Okay, I'm hoping everyone can hear me now. I'm uh, waiting for calls to come in, but while I'm we're doing that, I'm going to read you something from a magazine called Still Standing Magazine. This was not written by me, but it's pretty much my feelings and other people's feelings that have gone through a loss of a child, in my case, a loss of two children. Things to say and things not to say. Okay, we're going to start. Um, I think her name is Angela Miller that wrote this. It says, if you're a bereaved parent, you can probably count on at least five hands the number of uh, phrases you wish people would never, ever say to you. If only there was a way for the world to learn how to speak compassionately to the brokenhearted. What many people believe is a comforting statement most often is not. It usually feels more like a slap in the face or a swift punch in the gut or like an uncontrollable need to vomit, all three maybe at once. There seems to be a large gap between intention and what's actually being communicated for those of us who are hurting. Okay, there's six uh, priority things that you should not say to anyone that has lost children. I'm still waiting to see if we're, you know, if the show's working. Um, I'm going to make one more call to make sure I'm being heard, and then I'll continue with my script. Okay, hold on, please. Sorry about this tonight, if you are hearing me. Can you hear me now? You can hear me right now on the show. You heard what I read? Okay, fine. Okay, I'll go back to my script. I'm sorry about this. I feel like a jerk. (laughs) All right. Can you try calling the show to make sure numbers are coming up on the show? It's 347-838-9201. You don't have have to talk or co-host or anything. Just just as long as I see numbers come up. Okay. Okay, thanks. Okay, bye-bye. All right, I am hoping you can hear me. Okay, now I'm going to start talking, uh, read my script. Um, I'm waiting for calls to come in. I'm not sure if you're getting through or not, and I'm really sorry about this. Now, I've done two other shows. I haven't had this problem. But uh, I started doing Skype with this show, and uh, it wasn't working properly, so that's where the problem lied. Okay, this, okay I guess we are working because the number just came up. Okay, things never to say to a bereaved parent. Number one, time heals all wounds. Last I checked in my journey of of trekking through this unimaginable time hasn't been working any overtime hours. And even, okay, I'm sorry. And even if on some faraway planet, time does heal all wounds, it doesn't make it helpful or comforting to hear when suffering in a ditch, alone without much rope, without much hope or rope. Time can help soften and change some of the sharpness of grief, but time alone doesn't heal. Time and focused intention can create a current in the direction of healing, but triple underline this. Not all wounds heal, no matter how much time passes. Not every wound turns into a scar. Not all suffering ends in this lifetime. Yes, in time, 
It may scab over, but the slightest bump or scratch can make it start to bleed all over again. Ask any bereaved parent, she'll tell you. Child loss is a wound that will ever completely heal. No matter how much time or good intention, living a life without one or more of your children is a wound that forever bleeds, no matter how many band-aids cover it over time. And I can say this because I've also lost parents and siblings besides uh, as much as they hurt. Losing a child is the worst. It does. It never heals. You never get over it. A piece of your soul is ripped out even when you have other children. One doesn't replace the other. I'm going to proceed now. So instead of saying these things to people, try this instead. What would feel helpful, healing to you right now? Is there a way I can help carry your burden? What do you need most today? I'm with you always. Number two, people say to me, let go, move on. You'll feel better if you go and move on. You're hanging on to it, to him or her too much. That's why you're so sad. If you would just let go, you could start living again. Anything that implies get over it will only add more unnecessary pain and hurt to a brief parent's already gapping, oozing wound. Oozing wound. What on earth is left for grieving parents to let go of when they're already lost the most precious treasure of their lifetime to death? We've already been focused to let go of someone who wouldn't, have, who what we would have given our life to keep. The only thing we have left to hold on to is our child's memory and our abiding love for him and her. And in doing so, we courageously move forward, but never do we move on. Moving on implies not taking our child with us throughout the rest of our lives. When someone tells me I need to move on or let go, I tell them to move on from my life because I will proudly carry my son and my daughter with me everywhere I go. If people have a problem with it, I have no problem letting them go. Try instead of saying this, hold on to me. I'll walk with you every step of the way. No matter how painful, I'll be with you every breath you take apart from your child. Tell me about your beautiful child. What was he like? What do you miss the most? Number three, have faith. If you just have faith, people say, this wouldn't hurt so badly. If you had a strong faith like I do, you wouldn't be grieving like this. You just trust. You should just trust God. You wouldn't be suffering so much. Yeah, right. Okay, guess what? Grief is not indicative of a lack of faith, ever. So stop playing the faith card in an attempt to comfort someone who is suffering the worst human pain imaginable. Having faith doesn't make the fact that our child was robbed from us far before her time any easier for us to, or more bearable. And it certainly doesn't make it hurt any less or make us feel supported. All it does is make us make it more probable that someone might feel like punching you in the face. And I have felt like that on quite a few occasions. Furthermore, it shames the bereaved parent into thinking, wow, if only I had more faith, I wouldn't be hurting so much. What am I doing wrong? Which I hope is the exact opposite message you're intending to send us. Bereaved parents already feel isolated and alone in the world, predominantly doesn't, doesn't understand child loss. And judging a grieving person's level of faith by their depth of grief is not only ludicrous, it's downright cruel, so just don't do it. Try instead saying to somebody, what is it like to keep living without your child? I've been told this by family, by friends, to keep, you know, move on, have more faith. Oh, heaven's a beautiful place. And I do believe that. I really do believe that. But that doesn't help my human heart. We all have to grieve. There's many stages of grief. 
when you've lost a child at, or when you grieve anyone, there's many stages, but a child is a totally different grief than losing your parent or your grandparent or your aunt and uncle or even your brother or sister or even your husband or wife. It's a total different category. Okay? Number four, everything happens for a reason. No, it doesn't. I've said this myself and because of my belief in God, and to a point I do believe that, but my human heart still says, no, it doesn't. Sometimes the most horrible, cruel, unimaginable, awful things happen to the best, the most amazing, incredibly loving people on this planet. And guess what? Sometimes life just plain doesn't make sense. Sometimes things happen for no logical reason whatsoever. Saying everything happens for a reason is possibly the fastest way to make a grieving parent's blood boil. There is no good reason enough in all of heaven and earth that my son and daughter are buried underground while my feet continue to walk this earth. I get that most people say that in an attempt to make sense of what, uh, what is senseless. But instead, let's just state what is true. It makes no bleeping, well, I'm not going to say the word, sense at all. Children should never, ever die before their parents. We all ward, we, I'm sorry, we all want the world to be safe and predictable, and the word child, child loss is the quickest way to shake the foundation of those closest to us. The thought of it's downright terrifying. It pops even in the most carefully crafted safety bubbles. The truth is, witnessing the suffering of others might crack you open. So it really, sometimes it's about you. It's not even about us. And it might um, crack you possibly wide open. Let it. It's supposed to. It's in the cracking that our hearts can offer empathy and true support instead of false platitudes, unwelcome advice, or severed relationships that offers no comfort to you hurting your loved ones. Try instead saying to us, I'm so sorry, it's just not fair. There's no good reason this happened. You don't deserve this pain. I wish I could take it away from you. It breaks my heart to see you suffering. This is complete bull. I'm so sorry. At, at least, number five, at least. When we hear that word at least, any sentence that's starting with at least should never be spoken to a brief parent. Never, ever, at least, she didn't suffer. Well, my kids did. At least he died young. Okay. At least you can have more children. Not, not that that would even matter because each child's an individual. Which one of yours would you trade? At least you got as long as you did with him or her. How many years do you want with yours? I mean, is there a number for this? You know? Okay. Um, at least it was quick and painless. No, it wasn't with my two. At least you were blessed to have them at all. There is no at least in child loss, people. None. If you want to support your loved one in the best possible way, keep at least out of your conversations with her. Try instead saying, I miss him too. I wish he was here with us. What's your favorite memory of him or her? What helps you feel closest to him when you miss him the most? Number six, last but not least, be thankful. Be thankful you can have more children. Really? I'm 60 years old, I don't think so. Okay, newsflash, not everyone can, even if they're not 60. Be thankful for your living children. Well, I am very thankful for my living children, but each one of my children were individuals. They were all people. I have memories with all of them. Then be thankful you had him or her at all. Wow, that's a great statement. Thank you very much. 
Telling someone who has lost more than you can ever imagine to be thankful is like slapping her in the face instead of hugging her. Seriously, don't do it. You better believe any bereaved parent in the world should school you in the art of being thankful. There's no need to lecture us on this topic. We're thankful more than thankful has ever been thanked. We're grateful for each precious moment that we're blessed to have our child. And this gratitude for every single blessed moment is what keeps our heart beating. And if you do have other living children, you better believe we're thankful to that, for the children that we still have. But that doesn't take away the lifelong pain of living without, in my case, my other two children. My precious children, all four are precious to me, and the two that were lost are still precious to me. They were my children. So instead of saying stuff like this, cry this one. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your child. I'm thankful for our friendship. I'm thankful to witness your courage and bravery and strength. Last week I read a quote that sums up this one quite nicely. Before you tell a grieving parent to be thankful for the children they have, think about which one of yours you could live without. Would you trade any of yours in? Let's say you had three kids and you lost one. Well, in my case, I had four. I lost two. Do I, is there a trade-off here? Really, think. Okay, enough said. Here's a quote from this paper that says, My child died. I don't need advice. Please take this advice from me. <laughs> All I need is for you to gently close your mouth, to open wide your heart, and walk within me until I can see in color again. All right. If you want, I'm going to pause for a couple seconds. I have a little more to read, a little more of a script here from other parents. Um, if you want to call in, and um, tell me what you feel or what you've experienced with the loss of a child. Um, I belong to many parent groups. And, you know, when my daughter died Mother's Day 2002, I didn't have Facebook or a social networks event. I kind of just had to wing it. And plus I had to, to deal with another child with the same illness, cystic fibrosis. And uh, that kind of kept me going. And I kind of feel in many ways that if I didn't have Facebook event, and I know a lot of you get sick of, oh, it's their birthday, and, you know, the anniversary of the death's coming up, and this one died here, this one died there. I'm not obsessed with it. I'm living it day in and day out. This is my life. You know, I do other things. I'm doing my radio show, and I'm doing my um, my uh, uh, foundation, for which is for kids with cystic fibrosis, and writing my books, and you know, I do my grocery shopping and all the other stuff that everybody else does. But when I come home, I think, too. And every day, there's not a day that doesn't go by that I don't think of my two kids. You know, as much as you hate seeing me vent or it hurts or whatever hurts you, put yourself in my place. That's being empathetic. Put yourself in my place and think what I'm feeling. This is day in and day out to the day I die. This is the way it is. This is the way it is. I'm sorry it hurts you. I have a um, a poem I wrote. I write many poems. And last week, I um, got a really, really response from um, many people on this one. So give me a minute. I'm going to read this to you. Okay. And it's kind of like a tell-off poem. And, and, you know, people think when I post my poems or I say something on, you know, Facebook, it's something that's happening at that moment. No, it's something from the past or something that I'm dealing with other grieving parents with, you know, and I write, that's when I write my poetry. So anyhow, this is the poem that I wrote last week. And, um, yeah, in a way, it's a tell-off poem. So 
It's called, excuse me for expressing myself, but don't want to ruin your day. Because you know what? At times with a grieving parent, it feels like it's all about your day. Okay. Anyhow. Hi. It's a new day for us. All to rise and shine. Oh, oops. Sorry. I was wondering if your day will be like mine. I wake up like you and start and go on with my day. Then my thoughts starts thinking about my two kids, Meg and Mark, that passed away. As you get ready for a day with your kids and what fun it may be or bring, mine will be different than yours as I have I have left of two of mine as lost dreams. Birthdays and holidays come for us all to celebrate with them. But mine aren't here anymore. Oh, God, when will this end? I am sorry I have to feel the way I do. Sorry that offends you, what I've been through. I should move on. It's been years, friends, and family tell me, as I sit here thinking how selfish some can be. Close your eyes for a day and imagine your life without your family. Walk my walk and ask yourself, how can she do this? And I'm so glad that's not me. The difference between imagining being with your kids, uh, okay, I'm sorry. The difference between imagining being without your kids is for one day. It's my reality. I live every day in each step of the way. There is just no way you could possibly feel what I feel. As when this happened, part of me died that will never heal. So excuse me for expressing myself for the things I'm entitled to feel. Don't want to ruin your day or your family meal. I know how hard it is for you to read this on my page day after day. I'm so sorry it bothers you, really. Just go ahead and enjoy your day in every way. While you continue to look forward to college and their weddings and their birthdays, too. Don't worry about me. I've got other things to keep me going and things to do. Okay. This is not about anger or venting, you see. Wake up, people. Have some respect for me. It's hard no matter how long it's been, so stop your advice and let me be. I have to go on, I know, but will never really ever be set free. I hope to God you will never, ever walk in my shoes. Only then would you understand why I do the things I do. Well, that's one of my many poems for helping other grieving parents. I hope you heard that because I had to switch over to my Facebook to do this, and I'm still kind of new at the switchboard here. Um, like I said, I'm taking calls at 347-838-9201. Uh, you call that number if you want to listen into the show, or you can, um, if you're in the, I had someone contact me, like I said, from the UK and Canada, and also from Canada, you can Skype it, and I hope you have a lot better luck than I did with Skype tonight, because I lost a half an hour of the show because of it. So anyhow, I'm willing to take your calls. I'll give you a couple minutes. I, um. I wanted to kind of have music in between my uh, reading and my advice and what have you, but um having a problem with non-copyrighted music, and I don't feel like being sued. So I'm going to put you on hold a minute, and I'll be back in a minute, and call in. Okay, I'm back on the air. I'm waiting for callers. Like I said, call in. 347-838-9201. Press 1 if you want to talk to me or share your stories. Um, I have another uh, little script here from another parent by the name of Paul. And this is, was also in a magazine called Still Standing. Okay? Anyhow, he writes, Comforting that collides with grief. When you suffer the loss of a child, your life will take you down an un- uncharted path as you begin to face grief. One of the things you'll encounter along the path are prepared comforters. Unprepared comforters. Sorry about that. I'm having trouble reading tonight. Those whose intentions are to make your grief more bearable. Unfortunately, this group of comforters 
are at a disadvantage in the know-how of their words, fall short, just short of the intended target. It would be easy to label these less effective comforters as hurtful, but let's not act too hasty. For the most part, everyone you interact with who is aware that your child has passed has good intent, well-meaning wishes, and wants the best for you as you face your new broken world. With a variety of people who are in your life, you can expect all sorts of cliches and one-liners, awkward hugs, speechless communicating, moments of uneasy balance or silence, uh, mid-conversation, and blank stares. And I'm not sure. I, I read this in the beginning when I thought I was on the radio the first half an hour. So if I'm repeating myself on this, if you did hear this before, please let me know. Okay. Of all the things that, that we learn to go through in life, learning how to express grief and sorrow is not among them until you're face, face-to-face with it. While we who have lost a child are learning to deal with life after the child's gone, it is vitally important to remember that friends and family are also learning how to deal with the new you after the child is gone. It's an incredibly high learning curve for both sides. As desperately as you want your child back, they want the old you back. Yeah, I know. My friends like, well, where's the old peg? And expect me to be the jokester. Yeah, I do still at times, but sorry, that there is a big part of me that's not the way I used to be. In many ways, it's, it's, I've been proved, I would say. Their eagerness to obtain that goal can be where things begin to unravel. As the ones hurting, we often unknowingly place high expectations on those around us. When they, fall, um, when they fail those expectations, and they almost surely will, we can get hurt, sever ties, and experience secondary losses as the collateral damage piles up around us. Uh, Paul says, my wife and I heard a wide variety of seemingly insensitive remarks while still in the hospital after delivering our stillborn. There was already suggestions from friends saying it was time for us to begin moving on. Why wouldn't we just shake it off and let the grief go already? Well, you know, I'm going to stop where he, you know, he still says more. But whether you've lost a child, like I've, I've said before, I think I've said it on my other shows, whether they're stillborn, it was still a child. You carry that baby most of your nine months, even if it's six months, it's part of you. If you lost your child to a drug overdose or if you lost your child to cystic fibrosis or you lost your child to cancer, whatever it may be, an accident, it's the finality of it, the death itself. I, though each of us go through a different, you know, phase. Um, mine, I watched mine suffer for years. Um, I have a relative that lost a child to a drug overdose, and they get to see that part. But, and other people that have, I had a family member that had a stillborn. Um, you know, I've been connected with other people that have lost children in many ways, but the bottom line, we all have our own story, and it's the finale of it all. Okay, we all are at the same boat. Uh, once they're gone, we've lost children. We've lost children. That's the bottom line, and the pain is the same. So I'm going to continue on with um, Paul's story here. Um, we'll go back to the part where his wife and him heard a, a wide variety of seemingly insensitive remarks while still in the hospital after delivering their stillborn daughter. They were already suggestions from Sun saying it was time to begin moving on. Why wouldn't we just shake it off and let the, the grief go already? Well, it doesn't work that way. They supported the change, the charge by comparing our progress to those who have allegedly handled a similar loss better. Well, I'm going to stop here again. I've heard people trying to compare the loss of my children to their grandparent. Or we, it all hurts. I've, I've lost the grandparents, like I said, too, and I've lost the parents. And 
yeah, it all hurts. But I want to make people understand a loss of a child is a completely different type of grief. Completely. And I'm not the only one that feels this way or feel alone with it anymore because I do belong to other grieving sites and I speak to many, many people that are grieving the loss of their children. And we all feel the same way. It's very hard to go on with your day-to-day routine. We do it. There's some days we still – we don't get out of bed. Uh, The holidays come. I've chose to – my son Mark's birthday on his birthday – to raise toys for Todd, so I'm still celebrating his birthday and and taking and doing something positive with it, you know. Um, I've taken my children's deaths uh, by starting the Wish Foundation, like I said in the early part of the show. Like I said, I don't know what you heard earlier and what you didn't, um, because it, it it it's it's something in their memory. It keeps them alive, you know, and that's important for me. Not it's not like in a sick way or anything like that. It's they 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 deserve that they deserve that, and that's what I need to do to keep surviving. And in turns makes me feel like I I can go on. Um, it's giving me something to do positive. And um, like I've said in my two other shows, you know, turning lemons into lemonade. Okay, I'm going to continue with Paul's story now, and I intervene with my own in between to uh, to let you know my feelings. Okay, anyhow. We were shocked and angered. We begin to isolate ourselves. I've done that. We've let the bitterness of someone's misdirected words fester and begin to take root in our hearts. We spent much of the time that should have been directed toward our grieving process rehashing hurtful words. I've done that. The double-edged sword of emotion was only injuring us. It took many hard months to learn this lesson and, more importantly, realized we couldn't get the, the lost time back. And let me tell you, there's Whatever grief process you're going through, whether it's a parent or a spouse or a child or whatever, you've got to go through stages. I just I talked to some of the other people I've been counseling recently. Um, there's many stages of grief. It's you know people had said to me when my kids died, and this is one of the ones I hated the most. Well, they had cystic fibrosis. You knew what the odds were. Well, nobody ever knows when anybody's going to go. We all hope for the best. I worked for years for the CF Foundation, hoping for the cure, never never thinking about the impending loss of my children and never giving up hope. And when it did happen, I was as shocked as anyone else. Um, you're never, ever, ever prepared for the death of a child. I don't care what they have, cancer, leukemia, cystic fibrosis, like I said, any other illness, you are never prepared. So don't ever, ever say that to anybody. We're never prepared. When it happens, you know, it's kind of like when the fat lady sings, when it's over, it's over. That's, there's no way to prepare for that. There's just no way. So never say that to anybody, even if their child does have a genetic illness like mine had. There are some people that have lived into their 40s with CF, not, you know, People are living longer and longer. Unfortunately, my two died when they were 22 and 28. Okay, so I never gave up hope. But to say that is also very cruel to people that you were prepared. No, I was not. I knew the chance, but you're never prepared. Okay, now I'll continue with Paul's story. As if dealing with our loss wasn't a big enough assignment, we had another difficult task to add to our to-do list. It was solely our responsibility to educate engage and give the benefit of the doubt when dealing with others who were unsure of how to react to our loss. 
Taking, <clears throat> excuse me, taking on this new responsibility can be extremely difficult in the beginning. After all, we are the ones hurting. We are the ones who need to be catered to. It seems so wrong to think that it's our responsibility to make others feel comfortable. I find myself doing that all the time. I mean, I do it now with other parents because, not that I'm stronger, because it gets, gives me the will to keep going. It gives me, gives me something, okay? But both of my, when both of my children died, I found myself comforting other family and friends, and I'm saying, I'm in so much pain. They don't see when I go home and, and there is no smiling and there's crying and there's acting out. And at one point, you know, heavy drinking. I, I'm not going to lie. I drank myself into oblivion at times because I couldn't deal with it. Fortunately, I've gone the other way now. Yeah, I still have a few here and there, but um, it wasn't the way to handle it. I'm, I'm doing it more positive now. And, and helping others is, is, is a good thing, Okay. Okay, if you've, um, going back to Paul again, if you have found yourself in this situation, I challenge you to change your outlook. Motivation to connect with others and consider their side of their grief may seem backwards. This isn't an easy task, but easy left the moment uh, we said goodbye. In the end, it will be worth it. For those of you fortunate enough to have a strong understanding support system, never take it for granted. Well, you know what, to be honest with you, I didn't. I really didn't. Yeah, I had a lot of friends, I would say more now, that I think back, acquaintances, uh, that were supposed my support system. But, you know, people tell you, um, I'll be there for you. And, and, you know, what happens is that once the funeral's over, everybody goes home to their kids and to their families and to their holidays. And, you know, I don't blame them for that. I, you know, but I come home to an empty home. Um, now it's time to think because the reality really sets in. That's the time when grief really hits. Going through the motions of the funeral and the preparations and all that is not when it really hits you. It's the years after. Like I said, it'll be three years next Sunday that I've lost Mark. And this um, year in May, um, Meg died on Mother's Day 2002, it'll be 12 years. The grief for Meg is no less or it's the same as the grief for Mark, because that, that grief does just, it never does end. Those kids are connected to you. They're in your soul. They're in your every, every part of your being. I have another couple poems I want to read to you. Um, one is about the, um, what we kind of go through um, on the holidays, okay? And I did get quite a bit of response to this one from some of my parents' groups. Okay, um, there we go. Just give me one minute, please, because I have to keep going back and forth on the screen here. As I go on with the radio show, um, you know, my future episodes, I'll, I'll probably be getting better at this, so just bear with me. Okay. All right. One more second, please. Well, before I get that one, I came to another one. I love Eric Clapton, and you know he lost his four-year-old son. Um, I think it was in 93 when he wrote Tears in Heaven. I wrote a poem called Tears on Earth as There's No Tears in Heaven, and this is what I truly believe. I mean, we all come from all walks of life and religions and what have you, and no one to me is any better than the other one. But um, these are my own personal feelings, okay? 
Tears on earth as there's no tears in heaven. And these, these are one of the things that keep me going, or one of the things, the, the main thing, my belief system. Crying is God's way of cleaning our soul with water. Who would have known better than me losing a son or daughter? If you need to cry, let the tears flow. Most would understand who hurt I know. I have cried time and time again, but I do know they don't cry in heaven. They don't cry in heaven because they see us every day. It is us left behind that usually feel the pain in this way. Never doubt it's all God's perfect plan. Our angels are happy. Now tears are for women and men. So as far as the holidays may so as as hard as the holidays may be, sorry, I can't even read my own stuff. Remember, Jesus now takes care of our precious babies. Christmas is followed by a new year and one day closer to our loved ones, which we hold dear. Someday we will no longer cry. We will then be happy when when we are welcoming God's skies. Just believe no one really ever dies. It is a love that we all stand the test of time. Our loved ones want us happy, so do the best you can. And you know one day we will all be fine. I mean, I don't know. I'm not preaching to people on here or telling them what to believe, but my faith does keep me strong. Um, um, you know, some of my other two shows we talked about. My I've received signs from my children, and I um, I have my book out, Rainbows, Butterflies, and My Last Hug, and these are real. I mean, these signs really happen. And I've talked to a lot of other parents that um, that have um, had many signs. I mean, there, I don't think there's one parent that I haven't talked to that's lost children that haven't had signs come at them. And it's not, you know, a lot of people think it's wishful thinking. I don't think so. It really happens, and I think it's just them letting us know that they are around us. Okay, one of the last poems I'm going to read to you. I've got like millions of them here, and my poetry book will be coming out shortly. I wrote this. I got a big response for this around the holidays. It's called Christmas with Empty Chairs and trying to get other people to understand what a parent feels around the holidays. Okay, Christmas with Empty Chairs. Was the month before Christmas when all through my house are just sweet memories of what was my life, a daughter, a sister, a mother, and even a wife. The husband is gone, and so are two of my kids. The memories are all I have left. I watch others so excited for the holiday season. It's my pain run deep, so deep, and I say, what is the reason? But then I remember that the real reason for the season, that Christ was born, and then I find that pleasing. My Megan, Mark, and their father are now in heaven with my parents and sister and brother and so many others. Though no longer to share with us the holiday season. Three less stockings hung by the fireplace to be stuffed. But no, Jesus has his reason. I try and remain tough. I am human, and my heart breaks. So when I sit at my table, those empty chairs no longer fill with my family. Lord, please keep me stable. Give me the strength to get through another Christmas and New Year without the ones my heart holds so near and dear. One day I know I will join them for the best holiday ever, reunited with my family, and for me will be the day I look forward to all so much pleasure. Until that time, I will continue my life with a broken heart and keep helping others less fortunate by writing, which is my art. I will continue to help families like me who have sick kids. For now, that, that is my holiday, and it's okay. It gives me Okay, it gives me purpose. As the true meaning of Christmas is to give, it's not the gifts that are so important. It's the love you share with others and reaching out and to be understanding. For some, the holidays are filled with all so much pain. But remember, Christ the child was born and loves us all the same. And for all that believe, that is what we truly should celebrate on Christmas Eve. And I really think that poem is not just for Christmas. It's every day of the year. You know, we go through stuff in life and... um we all go through stuff, whether it be losses or breakups or done all that too, you know. Um, 
but I think we should um, all try to be there more for each other, you know? Try to, you know, have a, be, be a little more empathetic to people. Really, I mean, you know the meaning of it. I mean, trying to put yourself in their place and see what they feel. Unfortunately, with the, well, fortunately, I should say, with the death of children, um, you can be empathetic, but unless that really happens to you, you really don't know what it's like. And I've seen a lot of people, like, run away from me. I've seen people drop off Facebook. And I think a lot of it, we're all afraid of our own mortality. Um, my belief system lets me be okay with it, you know. Um, I don't want to go anywhere yet, you know. I've got things to do. Um, but I'm not afraid of it anymore. But I think a lot of times that people turn away from, especially parents that have lost children, is because they're so frightened that it could happen, if it happened to them, how they would deal with it. I did it myself. I mean, knowing that my two kids had cystic, I was around a lot of the people that have lost children. And, and I'm like, oh, my God, these poor souls. And, you know, and... I really didn't think it would happen. I really thought we'd get the cure. So so I've been on that end of it, too. So I, I know how people feel. But I think most importantly, um, don't turn your back on people when they, they lose children. We need you. We really need you. You know, we, we've had enough loss losing them. We don't need to lose our friends and family, too. And that's happened in my case, and I'm almost teary-eyed about it because I have even lost some family members who are very precious to me. Um, I don't know the reasons. I just can assume some of them, and I've been trying to be understanding, And uh, but it hurts. It really hurts. But anyhow, okay, enough of me. Um, I'm going to put you on hold a minute. I'm hoping some people will call in. I don't see any callers yet. So, again, um, call in, or you can hit my chat, or I have a chat room here. If you don't want to talk on the radio, you can um, go to my chat room. Okay. All right. Hold on, please. Okay, back on the air. Um, I'm going to take another two-minute break. Um, and uh, don't leave the show. i got more to talk about. And I'm waiting on some callers. Like I said, the number is 347-838-9201. And for my international callers, if you can't do it through the phone, you can Skype your uh, your call to me. So give me two minutes, and I'll be right back. But hang on, please. I'm sorry I don't have any music in between. We'll be doing that with future shows, okay? Hold on, please. I'll be back in two. Okay, back on the air. Sorry about no music in between. Um, sorry, no callers. Um, there's nobody out there that wants to share a story or just vent some... Um, you know, venting is important. A lot of the, the grieving groups I go to, that's what we do. You know, I mean, I've done it on uh, regular Facebook before I got in grieving groups. and I've done it before. I mean, I still do it at times on that. But I, I feel like, you know, to be around other people that have gone through this, um, understand me and I understand them when there's no no prejudice against it. You know, where other people, like I said, I... You know, I've got like almost a thousand people on my Facebook and, you know, and, and I've seen people drop off and I, I've had people even say to me like, you know, at times I, I had a friend a couple of weeks ago that, that notified me and saw a lot of my poems and, uh, she was very, you know, gave me some constructive criticism. Um, she, she saw a contest for $25,000 to submit your poems and I'm like, well, no, nobody really ever responds to them. So I said, why should I even bother? You know, even though I'm putting out a poetry book. Um, and she says to me, 
she was honest with me, and, I'm, I, and I like honesty. Um, what she told me was that when people do read my poetry, it, it breaks their heart. Um, okay, well, I'm living it. You know, I, if, you, if you like something that I'm doing, you know, it's usually to get a message across to make people be, all, all, you know, understanding of what I'm going through and other grieving parents. Cause it's not just about me. It's about us all that are in this, this terrible boat that we're all in together and that is, that is sunk. Um, like I said before, grieving a child is so different, you know, and I... Some of the things that I read and what have you about, you know, what other people felt about it and the comparing. Um, like I said, the biggest thing, please don't compare it to, to, you know, losing an elderly parent or, or grandparent or whatever. You know, I mean, of course, you're, like I said, you're grieving too. But really, this is so different. It's so different. Um, it's very hard to get your life back after after the loss of a child and you know, like I said, I do have two other boys who I love dearly. You know, one's in Carolina. Hi, Donnie. You're listening tonight. And I have son Dan here. But it's, uh, I miss my other two, too. You know, I, I was 19 when I got married. And um, my daughter was born the next year. And I write in my book, Rainbows, Butterflies, and I want one, one last hug. And that's available, like I said, in you can order through Barnes & Noble, bookstores worldwide. It's the bestseller that came out on Amazon. There's the Kindle, which is like $3.03. You can download it right away. It was my whole life, not, not kind of an outline of my whole life story. Um, my next book, so I have a few more coming out. We'll go into more detail. Uh, but um, I don't know what to say. It's... Um, you know, I, I I talk about many things in the books. I, I I talk about you know I one part of the book, the fairy tale life, is one of my chapters. And you know, all us women want to be the princess. You know, we all want to be the Cinderella. You know, the 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 knight on the knight in shining armor on the on the on the white horse and swoop you away and live happily ever after. But unfortunately, life doesn't work that way. Um, we all want it to. Mine was from the time my daughter was born. A few days before I turned 20, Meg was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis when she wasn't quite three. I knew something was wrong, even though she was beautiful and looked healthy and what have you. But there were issues, and I was a young mom and what have you. And uh, and, and and I did go to nursing programs. I actually I did nursing and home care. I had a business for years, most of my life. And but most medical schools, even doctors, they don't teach on genetics. Um. So I had to kind of put the puzzle together. So I, I, when she was diagnosed at almost three, and then my son Donnie was born a year and a half later, he had to be tested for the disease too, because being genetic, each child that my husband and I had together could have a child with CF. Um, some genetic diseases, like sickle cell, uh, affects Afro, Afro-American population. Uh, Tay-Sachs affects the Jewish population. Uh, cystic fibrosis is German and Italians, but you, you see it now in, you know, Hispanics and Irish, uh, descent and English and, you know, because everybody, you know, marries into families and that's how genes work and, and, um, but the gene at one time, I wanted to explain to you a gene is, um, was a virus at one point years ago that 
protected you, what what part of the world you lived in. You know, it, um, I think CF uh, started in, like in, in Italy and Germany, protected you against uh, dysentery or something, if I recall. And this gene goes nuts as the years go on. And I come from, um, well, my, my father was German, and my husband was... Huh, a mixture of Austrian, some say Italian, some say German. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, probably Italian. I'll be given the name. And uh, so we kind of followed the pattern. But, you know, we grew up two blocks apart. and um, Families were friends and what have you. We didn't know we carried this. I mean, people fall in love and you do what you do, you know. And uh, we had, at that point, two kids when Nick was diagnosed. And then, of course, told it was... You know, it could happen again, and it did. It happened with the fourth child. I had a third and didn't, whatever, but that was my choice. I've had a lot of people say things like that to me also. Um, you know, why did you have any more knowing this could happen? Well, you know what? We're all going to go. We're all going to die one day. So I, I never looked at it that way. I didn't want my children to suffer, of course. I mean, nobody wants that for their children, but, uh, you know, I, I have... I've a mess. I have multiple sclerosis since I was nine years old. Didn't get diagnosed with fifty, but I've had it all my life. We're, we're, none of us know the cards we're going to be dealt. So that's another subject I'd like to talk about with CF and whatever illness. I mean, it's it's a personal decision. I didn't. Um, I think I talked in my last show, the show before. You know, I didn't plan on having any more children. I was married and prevented it for the most part, but things happen, you know. But I had them, and I, I'll tell you one thing. I wouldn't want them to suffer. I didn't want them to suffer, but I wouldn't have traded a day with either one of those kids that I lost. They were full of life, and Meg was, uh, Meg had a logo, no fear, and she was fearless. She was fearless. She just lived life to the fullest, and so did Mark. Mark would go to English Town with IVs in his arm, uh, with a port in his chest, sick at times, just out of the hospital and go race his car. And I think of anything, one of the most important things that I not only keep their memory alive for myself is that they deserve their memories to, they were examples to all of us because we all, we're all going to get sick, we're all going to die, I hate to say that, but, you know, reality. It's what you do in between that counts, and I think both Meg and Mark represented that. Um, They both lived life to the fullest. You know, uh, they were scared at times. I mean, I spent a lot of time at the hospital with both my kids and, um, you know, daily care with them and what have you. And we spoke about things. And I can remember Mark. I mean, he was he was a fighter. He was a fighter. You know, they both were. But it was very more recent with him, of course. And Meg was older and was out of the whole house for like 11 years. And she had two of her own children. So I... Uh, the last 11 years of her life, she was revolved, you know, evolved around, you know, uh, Stephen and, 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 and her two children. And, um, but Mark, you know, of course, he never married. He was 22 when he, he passed. And um, he didn't have, you know, he was with me the most. And, um, but like I said, he fought. He fought all the way. And like I said, I do things in their memory because they were examples to teach us. No matter what you go through in life, you know, you got to keep going. You know, maybe the show's getting off on a little different um, tone than I planned on, you know, initially. But since there's no callers, i got to talk about something. But, um, you know, we all need to make every day count, you know. I mean, there's days that you don't feel like it. 
I know I've got those days with my MS that I it's hard to get, even get out of bed, but I, I do. I sit here and people go, oh, you're in the house so much because I used to be, you know, the, the, the party animal, the social butterfly, and I'm working mostly seven days a week. I'm probably working harder now than I did with um, – Harder than I did when I did my home care, when I worked for CIC, uh construction company I worked for on the side. Um, with, I even drove a cab at one point. Um, I had to work around my daughter's illness, and I kept losing jobs because I had to take time off from work. So I did what I had to do. But during that time, and I have a caller coming in now, so I'm, I'm going to grab that line. But to sum that up, uh, I um, the time I spent with them at their sickest times that – these two kids showed me courage and strength and a fight. They fought till the very end. Well, anyhow, I'm going to get this caller. Actually, I think it's my niece, who is usually my co-host, and uh, I'm going to get her on the line. Hold on one second, please. Hello? Hello? Hi, Melissa. How are you? Hi, how are you? Good, good. What would you like to talk about tonight? I want to talk about some memories of Meghan Mark. Okay, that's appropriate. You gave me the idea, appropriate timing. Um, what, what are some of your best memories of the two of them? Whoops. Okay, you know what? I lost you for a few seconds there, Melissa. Oh, that's fine. My computer. Where did you lose me at? <laughs> um, after hello. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. This computer is whacking out tonight, and you no, know, the, it's okay. The future episodes, I think, we'll have it more together. I'm still working on their switchboard and trying to iron out the Skype thing, which I'm talking on tonight, and I think I got that down to a science. So a lot of it's uh, technical stuff, but. All right, what, what is your, I know my daughter, of course, um, she was your babysitter and your cousin. Mm-hmm. What other, what memories do you have of her? So we were at a Christmas party together. I remember it was my sister's and Meg was showing us all around and we had Christmas presents on the table and she helped me find one. And Santa mm-hmm. came over and he gave me the present and it was a Barbie doll. And I remember it was just really fun. She introduced me to all of her friends and she made me feel like, not only was I her cousin, but I was, like, her friend, you know? Mm-hmm. And I always remember that about her. It was, like, she had this spirit and this way about her that just made you feel like you were always at home. She just always made you feel welcome, and she would always make you laugh. And mm-hmm. so I really admired that about her. So one of my favorite memories was that Christmas party. I just remember how much joy there was in the room and the Christmas music and Santa and the presents. And it was just, like, one of my favorite memories with her. Where was the, where was the party again? I think it was, I know you guys invited us to it. I think it was maybe like Croton or Offening. Was it at my house? No, it was at a place. It was at like a big hall. It was at a place. Really? I was young. I don't remember the exact hmm. year and how old I was. But I remember it like well, my, really, my, really well. My memory shot at 60, so... And- no, it's okay. I have a really good memory. <laughs> I remember all these things. Yeah, that's, that's, I think, the whole thing, Melissa, too, with, uh, you know, people, you know, when they tell you to move on, it's so hard mm-hmm. to move on because, um, oh, by the way, for people who don't know Melissa, she she is going to be my co-host. Uh, tonight she's working another job, so she's kind of in between here with me, helping out. 
Um, but she's also the editor of my book, Rainbows, Butterflies, and One Last Hugget of my future books, and uh, my support system. And is also helping now as my um, assistant manager with my Cystic Fibrosis Foundation that we're running wishes for kids. And I don't know if you still not to change the subject, but I actually um, talked to Chad's mother today. He's a 21-year-old, turned 21 on the 22nd. That all he wanted was he, he's dying. He, he doesn't want his transplant. He wants to. He doesn't want anybody else's parts. That was his decision. Um, he's in last stage cystic fibrosis, and all he wanted for his 21st birthday was a bunch of cards. And he loved the the I guess it was uh, whatever Red Wings whatever, um, and the other team that you guys helped out with, and and sent him something right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyhow, he got to go to two of the, the Red, I guess, Wings. I'm, I'm bad with The Red Wings games. Yeah, Red, he went to two Red Wings games, and he met the players. Yeah, and I'll tell you, of a thousand, uh, of, of a, a smile is worth a thousand words, to look at that kid's face, uh, the pictures tonight, his mom just sent me pictures, and they were posted on my Facebook and on my page. Um, and, of course, Denise uh, and, and Lori from Florida um, with Willie's Wish Foundation, we are different names of our foundation, but we're both doing the same thing and working together. Um, but she coordinated, uh, you know, to get him to go to the game, meet the players, and the smile on that kid's face was worth a thousand words. I mean, this is a dying kid whose time is very limited, very limited. And he knows, but you know what? He, he like Megan Mark. I mean, he, he just keeps going as sick as he is. You know? Yeah, I think that's why he's yeah. such an inspiration to all of us. You know, he's overcoming something, and every single day he's taking it as if every single day we're so precious and right. so amazing and fighting so hard. And, like, somebody like that, he makes me think about my life and appreciate so much more of what I'm able to do. So well, I, like, I personally think he's so amazing, and his mom, she's such a beautiful person, and she just loves him with all of her heart, and it's, it's amazing to see people like that in this world. I just love it. Well, even, you know, being a mom of two amazing kids myself. I mean, don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. There were times that Meg and Mark were, oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> they were just like anybody else. I mean, people think when you have sick kids that, that you know, that they're spoiled and they're – and maybe sometimes they were. And I apologize to my other two boys because sometimes – you know, I was put in situations where they were so sick, and maybe I did. It wasn't intentional, but um, their spirit soared, and, and they 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 did bad things too. I mean, don't get me wrong; they weren't perfect human beings either. You know, none of us are. None of us are. We're human. You know, but their spirit, um, their will to live and to, to keep going for. Uh, Meg's almost 29 years and Mark's 22 years almost to the end. I think just at the last show, the uh, I got pictures of Mark, many faces of Mark and his Mr. Mustache picture, which was three months before he passed away and comes in, he screams and yells and, oh, I thought something was happening to him. And, you know, he was so jaundiced from the liver uh, disease part of his illness and uh, so sick. I mean, it was horrible. But he came in to make me laugh. He's screaming, and I run in thinking, oh, my gosh, i got to recall the ambulance. And he put him – because he – you know, he, he looked 12. I mean, you know. And, Melissa, you've seen him, and most people that knew yeah. him looked, looked very young. And he couldn't grow a mustache, so he, he put the Super Mario Brother mustache on. I was standing in my, crit, in my kitchen and laughing like all hell at me. You know, but that <laughs> just showed his spirit. That's one of my favorite pictures of him. I love seeing that picture. Yeah, yeah. 
It's so no, cute. Every time eight, that I tell the story, every time mm-hmm. that I tell the story of my cousins, I always say that they are the ones that inspire me every day to look right. at the world differently and to appreciate things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I tell yeah, everyone I, that. It's like, it's I, something I, I can my, never let go of. <laughs> so. No, I, that's what I think, you know, people think my show is about bringing on just mediums and, you know, contacting the other side and what have you. I mean, it's so much more. It's the, um, like I said, it's event feelings of people that are parents that have lost children with CF, or not just CF, but any illness or any mm-hmm. uh, accident or whatever. But it's so much more, um, the show's covering just about everything, you know. But I think the bottom line, like you said, it's about spirit, about, it, it, it affects everybody, you know, not just people of sick children, but, uh, you know, I hope everyone even if you don't have sick kids or you haven't had major losses, that you'll be inspired by it to go out and help other people, you know? You know, if I – my kids could do that. I mean, Meg, you know, was poster child for years for CF. She worked all my events with me, the fundraisers and the the benefits and all that. And, you know, I've got MS. And, you know, at 60 years old, I should be retired. But, no, what am I doing? I'm writing books. I got this uh, show now. I've got, uh, and it's. I'm not telling you this because ego thing. It's. I'm hoping people learn that it ain't over till it's over. Oh, I struggle every day to get out of bed. Uh, really, I mean, people that know me, it's like uh, it's, it's difficult with MS, you know. But I do it. I do it, and I think of this program can teach others that are well bodied. If we can do this, and that's where my kids inspired me. If they could do it the way they did it, and I'm sick, but I can keep doing it then you know what? People that don't have these problems should be helping others also. you agree? Yes, I do. You know, so I think this, this, this you know, my uh, my genre of my show is spirituality. But, yeah, it's not just, that, like I said, contacting the other side, which we will be having mediums and talk about these things and what have you. But it's so much more than this, you know. It's about team spirit, you know, human spirit and 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 making life better for everybody, you know. That's what my that's what I got from the lessons my kids have taught me. You know, that we uh we all need to be there for each other. You know, when someone's hurting and 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 you know, grieving parent or whatever they're going through, we need to be there. Don't run from them because that's selfish. That's really just selfish. You know, yes, you may feel bad and whatever and you know, you got to start caring about other people more. I do. You know, I still care about other people, even what I've been through. You know, I'm the first one there. If uh, I hear somebody's kid's got a runny nose even, you know, which is normal, you know. But um, I think that's the, the, the most important part of my show is, you know, covering all these things, you know, is that we take what these kids were placed on this earth for. And I believe we do all come, we, we all come with a job to do. And their job was complete obviously and um and they taught us all to live a better life. I think you agree with me with that, Melissa. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, I lost you for a second. I'm sorry. It's okay. I heard yeah. a pause and then <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's just like I said, it's uh I thought we'd have more callers and I don't know who's listening, who's not, you know. Um maybe once they get to hear the show, maybe maybe they're not gonna wanna call because I got so screwed up tonight, but that's another part of life, you know. Shows will get better and better. Um yes. we do have archives this of is my just show. the beginning. 
Yeah, it is. It is. And I'm, I'm new at this and I've, I'm human and, and I, I admit my faults and I, I admit when I screw up and I've screwed up. I even admit in my book times I screwed up on my heavy drinking days. My, uh, I, I think I call that chapter my menopausal breakdown, you know. But you know what? The, the bottom line in life, we all make mistakes and, 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 uh, and what is it they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. That's not the way it should be. If you learn from your mistakes, you can be forgiven, you know, and, and what have you. Learn from them, and that's like anything else in life. Um, you know, you make a mistake or you go through something like this, the death of children, and and turn it around. Do something. Do something. And, I mean, yes, we're, we're grieving, and there's still my days that, um, you know, this is a tough week for me. It's every time it's the anniversary of one of my children's passing or, like I told you before, their birthdays or the holidays, it's a tough time. I'm human still. You know, with all the work I do, it's still, I hurt. I hurt. That's never going to go away. But I still get up every day, and I try to function, and I try to do things and make life a better place for, for everybody, you know? And um, I don't know. You, um, the last show, we, we talked a little bit, of, no, well, actually a lot of bit, about spirituality and signs. And part of the show was supposed to be dedicated tonight, like, what's your belief on Life after life, I call it, you know. I don't believe there's a death. Um, Melissa and I have touched on subjects of signs that we've both seen. Um, and we usually get them at the same time. Am I right, Melissa? <laughs> yes, <laughs> we definitely now, do. I think we talked about the last show, uh, maybe, maybe reiterate about uh, the day after Meg's death, we talked about what would, what happened to you about the death, you know. We talked about that, I know, in the last show, but uh from that to, I mean, tell that story again, and you know, for people that didn't hear it, and then we'll talk sure. a little. You know, go ahead, go ahead. I'll let you take this with nature. Um, the day after my cousin passed away, my cousin Meg, I was at school and I was taking a final, and I sat at a desk. I don't know why. There's no reason behind it. I just felt like sitting at a completely random desk that I'd never sat at before, and there was a big heart in the center of the desk, and it said the words "Meg was here," and it had like a little arrow at the bottom. And I just started crying, and I ran outside and called my mom, and she called, she calmed me down, of course. Um, but it was just, to me, it wasn't just writing on a desk. To me, it was something else. It meant that my cousin was there, and she was watching over me, and she knew that I loved her, and that even though she was gone and to another place to heaven, she was always, like, right by my side. She was always watching over me and being, like, mm-hmm. an angel to me. So that's what the signs mean to me. I know some people really don't believe in them or they think we're crazy, but the more that you're open to them and the more that you believe that there are miracles and there are signs to show you that they're around, the more you're going to see them. And I've learned that throughout my entire life. That That's fantastic. I mean, you know, we'll we'll discuss this again in other shows. Believe it or not, I have another caller, so I think I'm going to take them. Okay. Can you hold on, Melissa, for a little of bit? I know you're I working. Okay, honey, of hold course. on a second, please. Hold on. Okay. Trying to get to my next caller. I know you're still there, right, Melissa? Yes. Okay, hold on. My, uh, I got the little swirly thing on my board. This computer is really. I don't know if this is a sign they don't want me doing the show tonight. It's okay. <laughs> it's on. just a technical difficulty. Yeah, my whole life. Okay, hold on. I'm trying to take the next caller, so bear with me. Don't hang up. Having a little problem with the computer. Bear with me. I don't know if you can hear me. Hello? 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 Yeah, 
Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, who's this, please? It's Dana. Oh, hi, Dana. How are you? Good. I'm your technical difficulty. Oh, okay. This is my my wonderful daughter-in-law, who I absolutely adore, and it was so much fun. Um, what do you got to say there, Dana? So, I haven't told you this yet, but it's a strange story, and I thought I'd share it with you tonight. Well, share away, my, 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 my Virgo daughter-in-law. <laughs> I happen to be a Virgo also. We think alike. <laughs> so, so my, my, uh, your darling son the other night wanted to try this new place to eat, and we, I went to go pick up the uh, dinner, and I had a parallel park, my most fun thing that I hate to do, and That's I was going backwards. <laughs> I almost hit the car because I picked my head up, and there was a crowd of transvestites, and in the middle, I swear, it was Mark. Say, wait, wait, backtrack. I want to hear this again because the Skype thing is a little low. You what happened? We we were trying this new place to eat by us. Right, I heard that. Part. And I, w- I went to go parallel park right in front, but there right. was like this place, a club or something, and it was a, like a group of transvestites. And when I went to parallel park in the middle of the group, I swear I saw Mark. My My son, your brother-in-law? Yeah. No, the man on the moon. What? What, so he was hanging with a bunch of transvestites? Yeah. <laughs> Already then. <laughs> it was, he was the same exact height. He was wearing, like, his his normal, like, hoodie he would normally wear with that black hat and a lot pants of people... and everything, mm-hmm. white as can be, with the same blonde hair. I right. I looked down because I almost hit the other car. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was just freaked out, and I picked my head up and completely disappeared, but all the other people were still there. Well, you know what? It was him, because I'm going to tell you, that's what my next, well, my next book is coming out, the poetry book, which was supposed to be Mark's book, The Racing Honest in Heaven, which my first leads into, but it's uh-huh. full of these stories, not just from family, but from my friends, my neighbors. Mark has appeared to, and I just got chills, and every time I feel them, that means he's around. Um... Two of my neighbors have seen him, too. My next-door neighbor, who was like a grandfather to him, saw him four times after he passed. And I do go, and I see a medium. My bad, but I believe in it because I know. I have tendencies myself. And um, she actually talked about my neighbor seeing him. So, And my other neighbor, who happened to be a friend of his that he grew up with, happened to move near me in a different town, kind of ironic and was kind of by Mark's side, She's a teacher, came home to walk her dogs after school, and she grabs a hold of me. She goes, I need to talk to you. And this is a few weeks after Mark had passed, after my other neighbor said he had seen him appear. And she says to me that I saw Mark. And I'm thinking, well, maybe it was my grandson, my my daughter, to share with the audience. uh, My daughter had two children. My son, my youngest son and my oldest daughter, my only daughter, were 16 years apart. So she had her son when he was born was five years younger and very close. He actually my grandson and son were closer in age than my other children, uh, my other sons. 
And he kind of was about the same size. And after Mark passed, would come and, you know, stay and, and wear some of his clothes and blah, 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 blah. So I'm thinking, well, so maybe you saw Chris. She goes, no, I know Chris, and I know it was. And I said, why? She says, because, first of all, he was standing on the corner of the house where he used to park his Honda. He looked over at me, smiled, and then he disappeared. So you're not the only one who has seen him. It was creepy because I was just like, what the? And then I started crying. Really? How come you didn't share this with me before? It was just last weekend. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like, now, me, I immediately called Donnie because I was, like, completely freaked out and I started crying and everything. I well, was shaking. Well, you know what, believe it. And that's some of my... Um, my future shows is going to be more and more, you know, we're going to discuss these other topics. Uh, tonight was kind of my, you know, we goof on the show, we laugh, we kid around, and, you know, not that it's a funny subject, but life's meant to be happy, too, and we're supposed to laugh. And, and but we, my show started out about the signs and that they're still around, and they are still around, and that's a comfort to us grieving parents. You know, there was another story, and I don't know if you remember, because it's, I remember everything because it's in my book already that's coming out, Raising Honest in Heaven. What about uh-huh. the crying? Tell the story about the crying tree after Mark died. The which one? The tree at your house that the water was coming out of the tree, and there was no water. It was not raining, Donnie told me about. Oh, that one, there was a tree in our backyard, and it was just, it was really weird. Every time you go outside, it was just crying, this one tree. There was, like, this one branch that it would just come crying. It was weird. It was just water would come spewing out of it every day right and after you he passed away. You, you, it was during a dry spell, too. There was no rain in Carolina, right? Yeah, we were actually going on a drought mm-hmm. at that point. There hasn't been rain for months, wow. and there was a drought, and it was crazy. But well, actually, kind of also, right after Meg died, yeah. we had that time with the Christmas tree and the train that wasn't okay. plugged in yeah, and didn't work, and it woke up We woke up to the train going around the tree and it blowing the horn. Oh, you just gave me Remember chills. Remember that? No, I, you know what? It's going to be... Uh, that's, that's why Racing a Hauntus in Heaven is not finished, because I've had uh, a recent thing happen. I'll share real quickly. Um, long story short... Um, this past month, one of Mark's friends that was at his event that I did November 30th for the Toys for Tots for Sick Kids, he uh, got in an accident a week to that day, went into a coma. Well, I had a lot of strange things happen here. My touch lamp that you need to touch kept going on and off. It was like a light show. My TV kept turning off by itself. My, uh, Cheech, my cat, who was my husband and Mark's cat, um, normally comes into the room and sits on the bed. Huh? You mean socks? Well, whatever. She she's a cat lover, and all my grand, my grandchildren are uh, Brooklyn, their dog, and their kitties are my grandchildren from them. Yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, she was acting weird. But to find out that when this passed, a lot of strange things happen, and this is going to like sum up my book. But whoever has stories, I'd love to hear it because even his friends have had weird things happen. TV's going on, and one of these stations that Mark would play would be on, and blah, 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 blah. There's been so many experiences letting us know that they're around us, you know? Yeah. uh, 
So, I mean, it's made me a believer. Not that I wasn't a believer, because I've, I've had abilities since I was nine years old that I was always afraid of, but I'm developing them now and been doing some readings and what have you. And, and every time you question yourself, but, you know, am I nuts? Or, no, these are happening. These are happening. I mean, I've been reading people I don't even know. And I kept that quiet for a long time because I don't want to be known as a medium. I want to get these books out. Maybe I'll go into it at some point, but right now that's not my calling. You know, but the funny thing that you said this, Dana, prior to you sharing that story about the crying tree in your yard, uh-huh. I had gone to see Deborah, intuitive Deborah, who I say, the medium I say, and she told me that my son that did not live in this state, and, you know, she didn't know, she didn't know where he lived or she didn't even know how many other kids I had. She said to me, Mark, my other son, my late son, was going to come and spook the hell out of my other son. And he was going to do something totally out of the norm that that there was no denying that he was around him. And then I get a call that week about the crying tree. <laughs> so, I mean, it just validates to me that this stuff, this crap's real. You know, this stuff is real. You know, Don't it really... leave me out of it. <laughs> it was really scary. Didn't you find it comforting? Not while I'm driving. <laughs> oh, and actually seeing him. You never really saw him before. In dreams, maybe, but not in real life what? like that, no. Was he smiling at you? Yeah. Yeah, that's what he does to everybody. To be honest, and I, I don't think I've said this, but it's in my book. I've seen it myself. That's why I know it's real. I uh, one it was a few weeks after he died. I was in bed and and I turned over and I looked and I I saw his face and I had a and I wasn't even like tired, so it wasn't like I was hallucinating or wishful thinking. And he was just looking at me, just not the body, just the head, looking at me, smiling right in my face. And then another night, I'm sitting in my kitchen, but I have many of these stories, uh, which is coming out in this next book. It's a, this book is a man is slamming. I got to tell you, I can't even believe it because all the stories people share with me. Well, anyhow, to make a long story short, sitting in my kitchen one night on my laptop, and Mark used to stand behind me at the sink and, and BS with me all the time, you know. And this uh-huh. one night, and this is months, I think, at that point after he died, I look to the corner and I see a reflection behind me, and I see my son standing behind me smiling at me, and then he disappeared. So I've seen him. My neighbors have seen him. His friends have seen him. He's done other great... Like I said, you got to get the book, Reds and Hannas in Heaven, to see these stories, because I don't even believe them, but they're real. I will take an oath. I will take a lie detector test, whatever you need to prove these stories are real. But it just brings hope to me. We're on the right track, and we're doing the right thing with the radio show and the Wish Foundation and all the good things we're doing to keep their memory alive. And, uh, and um, you know... So I'm, I'm glad you shared that with me because I've talked to you guys like a million times the past few days and you never told me till now. This is cool. Well, we were doing other things. No, I know. I know, I know that. So. I know. <laughs> Personal family business. But, but anyhow, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you came on and shared that story with me, you know. I'm sorry there's a little rough road. I mean, I don't know if you guys went to the archives. I did two other shows and um, let the audience know, too, that I have uh, two other two-hour shows. I just started doing this the past couple of weeks, and they're archived. And, uh, you know, I was a little nervous in the beginning, And um, but I, I'm trying to cover all these subjects. And um, tonight was Skype's fault, not mine. <laughs> so now that I'm ironing out all the creases here that, you know, hopefully my shows will be a little more together and uh, I get a few more callers. I actually had a lot of callers on the last show, and I couldn't get to them because we were reading people because Melissa's lost uh-huh. 
Yeah, I don't know if you guys heard it. I, I don't. You didn't hear the shows yet, did you, Dana? Uh, we caught the tail end, I think, of the last one. Oh, okay. But we didn't right. hear the whole thing. But we can okay. go back into the archives and check them yeah, out. Yeah, the archives are there forever. So if anybody wants to hear the shows and some of the topics we discuss, and, and um, you know, I, like I told everybody tonight, we're not reading tonight anybody, and I will be having special some special guests, some pretty famous mediums on the show with me. Not just me or my niece who were new at this, you know, but pretty well-known people right. in future shows, and uh, I'm excited about it. And, um, you know, I think these shows are going to be slamming too soon. You know, we're discussing things that other parents that wanted to talk about, like tonight. I, I had, That's why I'm surprised I didn't get more callers, but um, I'm hopefully they're listening. And, you know, this is a subject, you know, the main thing tonight was how to deal with us. You know, let us grieve. Let us grieve. I mean, don't, by telling us not to do it, it's not helping us, it's making it worse. We have to go through the season. We have to grieve by telling us not to do it. You're making us sicker, okay? You're making us. Um, it, it's part. It's normal what we're doing, you know. So, so don't don't tell people not to do this. Okay. All I right. Lost. I have a minute and a half left of show time. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> Did you hear that or? Huh? Did you hear that? Because they just told me I have a minute and a half left. So oh. anyhow. Have you come up with any more stories, Dana Colin? Unfortunately, just my family called in tonight, but but, but it's good. Well, maybe a... it's because of those technical difficulties, but there's next week. Oh, yeah, we will. I got a show, I think, Tuesday night. Melissa's going to be hosting with me. And, oh, okay. Uh, I'm not... Okay, I got 30 seconds left, guys. Dana, I would like to thank you, my favorite daughter-in-law. Um, Your own and... daughter-in-law? My, my own. Hello. <laughs> you don't know, you have to go there. Melissa, one of my favorite pieces uh, at the top of the list. I have quite a few, but she is at the top of the list. Thank you for your call in, and we'll be talking to you on Tuesday night. And um, I'm not quite sure what subject will be on Tuesday night, but we'll continue talking just about everything, I guess. So thank you all for your calls. Uh, Dana, I'm going to sign you off. Have a good night. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Bye. Okay, guys. Hold on, I can hear him in the background. I'm trying to turn you down here. Okay, I don't know if you can still hear me, but my computer's going wacko on me again. It's probably my kids doing it. But anyhow, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you again, too. Not see you, but talk to you again Tuesday night. And uh, The boards will be open. Our chat room will be open. Have a good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.